0: What is going on guys? Hello and welcome to episode 62 of the Ford Progress Football Podcast. I'm your host Zach Party, and today we're going to recap the uh, week 9 slate of games and preview week 10's Thursday Night Football matchup between the Falcons and the Panthers. Alright, let's get right on into it. All right, So we're going to start things off with one of the upsets of the week, uh, Jets beating the Bills 17-20. to 20. Um, yeah, I was wrong. I thought the Jets would cover, but to actually come out and flat out win, incredible for them. Like, what a game by the Jets' defense. They really capitalized on Josh Allen making some, like, rookie second year player mistakes, like stuff that we thought he had weeded out of his game. And they didn't really allow anything in the air besides that first pass to Diggs and then a couple other, like, decent passes. And nothing on the ground besides Josh Allen scrambles. And yeah, fucking Josh Allen, he's going to get some. Um, I said look out for the Jets to give Josh Allen his worst game of the season and they very much might have like that's so far been the lowest scoring output of this Bills offense this year and they were just phenomenal like this Jets team is legit and they could very very much be in the playoff mix come January do I think they're gonna win thing like win it all no I don't trust Zach Wilson enough yet um on offense, they just did like they have one of the offenses that is just enough to win with a good defense. And yeah, sometimes we see that win um, like 2015 with the Broncos. But really, in today's NFL, you need that upper tier quarterback to get you there all the way. But I, I don't want to take away from what the Jets were able to accomplish today. Um, Garrett Wilson was incredible, constantly beating whoever was lined up opposite of him. And Zach Wilson, he played very safe. He... They didn't make all those stupid hero ball plays that he's been making recently. There's only one time really where he rolled backward and started to go into that hero ball mode, but then he quickly threw it away. I was very shocked and honestly excited because as I said, this team can't win if their offense doesn't step up, but if they're weeding out the bad and Zach Wilson, maybe there's a chance that they can kind of find the middle ground and get it to where when he's playing under pressure like he had a game, a play this game. He was under pressure. He stepped up in the pocket and scrambled for the first. He wouldn't have done that last week. He would have rolled out backwards and thrown it away or thrown a pick. Um, I love that. It's showing that he's improving. He's seeing what he does bad and is trying to cut it out of his game. If he can do that, but also like keep that magical good that he has the the raw ability that got him drafted second overall, then maybe this team can make a push. But I'm not gonna put that on like those expectations on him uh, only year two, maybe next year. But right now I just, so feels like something's missing from this offense. Um, oddly enough, we kind of said the same thing though, that I'm saying about Zach Allen right now, that, or Zach Wilson right now that we said about Josh Allen. He really had cut out the bat in his game until it oddly has come back in the last six quarters of football. Um, I'm still not ready to call it a problem, but it's definitely something to keep, an eye on. Like, it did cost them this game this week. Um, Did he really weed out those mistakes early in his career, or were they just kind of in hiding waiting to come out again? Um, I'm also starting to wonder, does Josh Allen, like, this feels kind of weird to say, but does he need more help around him? They don't really get anything going on the ground. Dawson Knox, he's a reliable safety blanket type guy, but I've always felt like he's been a bit overhyped. Like, he hasn't done anything to warrant being a top tight end, but he's kind of talked about like one. Um, Davis, he doesn't really do anything outside of being a deep threat and catching, like, like he'll have a couple catches every couple weeks, but he's not a consistent, reliable receiver. Um, yeah, like, I feel like, oddly, like, we need the Bills need a few more weapons. Like, we said this about Patrick Mahomes last year, and, like, they got rid of Hill, but then they diversified the offense, and it's arguably looking better. I think Josh Allen could really benefit from having more diverse skill set out there with him. Then we have the Dolphins at the Bears. Dolphins winning 35-32. Close one. Did not see that coming. I picked the Dolphins to cover and win. The Bears ended up covering. This was the perfect game for the Bears, though. Fields has gotten some confidence these past few weeks. Um, Getse, the offensive coordinator, he's really taking advantage of how skilled Fields is, both on the ground and through the air. And together, they're making this offense click. I thought this was going to be like a throwaway season. The Bears were not even going to give Fields a chance. That would have look like early, even even though they won a couple games early on, I still felt like, yeah, like the bears are winning, but it's like not looking good on offense It's looking real ugly. This isn't sustainable. And Justin Fields is just like, they aren't even giving him a chance, but now they're oddly losing, but fields looks incredible. Um, I felt like something clicked versus the Patriots where they realized like, Hey, fields can be that guy. And if he is that guy and they keep losing, which like, yeah, sucks for this year. But you're going to have a better pick to get a better offensive lineman or wide receiver, something to help build around what is now, like, you've got to believe Justin Fields is your franchise quarterback with the way he's playing. I've had faith in Fields that he would be a good quarterback one day, but until now, I didn't think he'd be a good quarterback on the Bears. And the fact that he's proving me wrong, the fact that Luke Getze, Matt Eberfuss, these guys are proving me wrong. That's incredible. That's perfect for the Bears right now. And they still lose, so they get the better draft position. For the Dolphins, it kind of feels like you got to be lucky to beat them, you know? This offense is just absurdly good. The way Mike McDaniel is able to scheme open hill, waddle, um, the entire defense knows that they're getting the ball, and yet they still get like over three yards of separation per target, um, and if they are targeted or covered, Tua is excelling in this offense. He knows exactly where the open guy is going to be if it's not one of his stars. And even still, Sikhi, sherfield these are good receivers, he's getting the ball into, uh, the ball too. Literally, the only problem I have with this offense is his arm. It's so frustrating because it's not his fault. He, between the ears, Tua has it all. Like, you can see he's playing incredible. He's playing like, like the Drew Brees comparisons aren't crazy. But it came up again this game with a couple under shots. One to Hill that resulted in a P.I. So it's like, OK, you got the yardage at least, but like it could have been a big play. And then one to Waddle that changed a uh, touchdown like he, he was wide open. It was a touchdown if he hits him in stride or if he even gets like another like yard or two on it. It's at least a big play. But instead, it was the pass breakup on third down, which led to a punt. I think McDaniel, he's good enough to scheme around this work. Do what, find what Tua is good at, because Tua is good at a lot of things. I don't want this to be a shot at Tua. This is just a physical limitation. Joe Burrow has the same thing. Um, And McDaniel is really good at finding Tua's strengths and highlighting them, showing like, yes, this is what Tua can be. This is what happens when you maximize your quarterback instead of asking him to be what he's not. But it is just so frustrating to know how close to perfect this offense could be, and I'm worried that come shootout in January, he's going to need to hit that big shot to Hill or Waddle way downfield, and he's going to come up a bit short. Another thing that could bite them in the playoffs is this defense. Like, what happened to them? I I guess Flores really was a big deal on that side of the ball, bigger than we realized. A lot of people kind of were just like, okay, like, yeah, this defense might take a step back, but they're keeping the same defensive coordinator. should be mostly the same, but – this is one of the worst defenses in the league right now. Fields had an average time of throw of 2.89, the fastest by far of the season. He was just hitting like these receivers of the Bears. We've talked all year how bad they are. Fields was getting it out to them instantly. The secondary is really missing Jones on CB2 and they got dashed by Fields all day. Like he set the record for most rushing yards as a quarterback. Chubb started to make an impact this game, and hopefully he can grow on that going forwards, help out the secondary by getting the ball up faster, but they're really missing their dogs in the middle. They don't have any big defensive tackles that excel against the run, and Roberts is really the only plus linebacker at run defense. Um, Riley and Baker, they're both like lighter coverage linebackers, which is good in today's modern NFL, until it gets to the point where run defense is a problem, and I'm worried they're kind of reaching that point. I think they should be fine going against most AFC powerhouses like the Chiefs and Bills who rely on the air attack. And that's clearly what this defense was built to stop. But what if they face the Ravens or the Eagles in the Super Bowl or the Titans in the playoffs? Like, are they going to be able to stop one of these more physical ground and pound teams? And that just kind of worries me. And then we have the Vikings at the Commanders. Vikings winning 20 to 17. Um, Correctly picked that. But this game was a push. So... Vegas knows, don't know how they know, but man, they know. Uh, this game was dominated by the defensive lines for the Vikings, Darius Smith and Daniel Hunter combined for 16 pressures and two sacks. And as a unit, they held the commanders running backs to 80 yards on 29 carries. So 2.8 yards per carry. Albeit the commanders were able to get some stuff going on the ground game with Heineke scrambles and some wide receiver and tight end runs. So got to get a bit better like the contained, but up the middle, they were like, you ain't running on us. Um, speaking of the Commanders' offense, though, I love the energy and excitement that Heineke brings to this unit. But he—he's just not him. He like he—he's not the quarterback of the f- future for the Commanders, and it sucks because he's—I feel like he's the type of leader you want. Like just watching him, watching how the team rallies behind him. But like that touchdown to Samuel, it was magical. That's the energy you want him to bring. That playmaking ability. Like, throw it up and let your guy make a play. But if Minam didn't run into the ref, that was an easy pick. He's hucking it into triple coverage, like, at the end of his arm strength. Like, that was not a smart throw. That should have been a turnover. Um, And he was just kind of, like, making mistakes like that off on throws and accurate all day. I really want to see Sam Howell get in there for the commander, show what he can do. Um, Fifth round pick out of UNC. I thought he looked great. I thought he had real franchise quarterback potential. And I don't think the commanders are going to be going anywhere this season even with like Carson Wentz coming back soon they aren't going to do it but I just really wish that they would I want to see Sam Howell out there I think he gives the team the best chance to win in the future and they aren't going to win now so throw am in there see what you got for the Vikings they were able to squeak out yet another win moving to seven and one in the least exciting way like really this team is seven and one um, the Washington defense really got the better of the most of the game. Sweat, Allen, and Payne were causing constant pressure, forcing bad throws by Cousins, and only allowing two point six yards per carry to the Vikings. Um, but the Vikings, keeping this weird team, kind of like a like a reverse sandwich. I don't know how to exactly describe it. They come in awesome right away, scoring a touchdown, getting Hawkinson involved early too. Like just trading for him, he had nine catches this game, incredible. Um, and then in the middle of the game, they don't really do much like the meat of the game, like the bread, the bread is scoring, they score right away. And then the meat of the game is just kind of like, okay, we're just gonna like stand here, make sure you don't do too much, make sure we don't do too much. Like we're just gonna make time pass. You only need to watch the first and the last quarter for the Vikings and you'll be like, okay, yeah, look, the Vikings look good and they won, Makes sense. Um, they come back in the fourth quarter and the yeah, it feels super unsustainable but they keep winning somehow and it's working. They got their swag. They got the Kirk Cousins shows that he can lead this team to like, they were down 10 points in the fourth quarter. Kirk Cousins led the comeback. That's something that a lot of people have questioned if he's had the ability to do, and he's been like, Hey, I can, but it was against the commanders kind of want to give us some pause. Um, They are going to host a playoff game, but I'm scared to see what they look like facing a playoff caliber team. So far this season, they've only played two teams that I would consider playoff caliber they lost to the Eagles, and they beat this the Dolphins, but it was Skyler Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater out there at quarterback, so I don't know how put much stock to put into that game, you know? Then we have the Panthers at the Bengals. Bengals just destroying 42-21, to 21, but it wasn't even that close. Um, yeah, I, I, I was dumb. I picked the Panthers. Uh, <laughs> both these teams looked the way I thought they would a couple weeks ago, you know? Not what we've seen lately. For the Panthers, I'm kind of glad for them. Like, this, in a way, the, this... Shows and reminds the fans that this team shouldn't be competitive. This is what it should look like when they go out and play with the way the roster is constructed, already have their coach fired. Um, and they can't trick themselves into believing PJ Walker is the future. If they have a shot at Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, one of these rookie quarterbacks, I don't know who's going to be the guy yet, but if they have a shot at him, take it. They can't roll in with Walker, Mayfield, Darnold some other cast off that they get next year. Um, the only positive I'm taking away from this game really for them, other than the fact that a better draft position is their offensive line played well once again, it's looking like it's like they're developing into a real unit. Um, McQuan, who looks great at left tackle, and this is essential for whoever is going to be the quarterback next. For the Bengals, this was a great game on the ground. Um, hopefully they can take this and build some momentum. Because this was the best by far that their offensive line has played in the Joe Burrow era, both in run blocking and pass protection. It was great to see that they have this in them, but I'm definitely not going to buy all the way back in yet. Um, I want to see them have this good offensive performance against a real team before I do. Uh, I admit it definitely was premature of me, though, to be so far out of them after that Browns game that I would pick the Panthers. (laughs) That was just dumb. But... Yeah, I I definitely am still hesitant, like one foot in, one foot out on them. Then we have the Packers at the Lions. Lions beating the Packers 15 to 9. Um, another double L by me. I picked the Packers to cover and win. But this was just a, another ugly game by the Panthers, the Packers offense once again. Uh, Rodgers was far from perfect. He had a couple of under throws and definitely shouldered some of the blame. But he truly has no help out there. Like what the heck was his second interception? The play was designed to be a cross-body fadeaway thing, off-play off play action to David Bakhtiari. Terrible, though. Yes. But terrible call. He was off-pages with his receiver all night, uh, most notably Sammy Watkins a couple times, but also with Robert Tunyon on one of his picks. He clearly thought Tunyon was, like, was going to undercut the route a bit. Um, and, yeah, like there were just so many times where Rodgers had all day in the pocket, but ended up checking it down, throwing it away, or... He was freaking scrambling, like 40-year-old Rodgers almost running out there using his legs because no one else on this team can make a play. Credit to the Lions, though. Their run D hasn't been impressive all season, but they really stepped it up on Sunday and forced the Packers to try to throw the ball. And their secondary had a great day. Jerry Jacobs stepped up. Um, Hughes, too, like, got outside cornerback. They kind of had a rotation going after they benched Ware, which I thought was kind of well overdue, and it worked. And then Kirby Joseph, the rookie third-round safety, played incredible. He high-pointed the 1st tip tit-pick and then undercut that Tanyan route that I mentioned earlier for the second. He just felt like he was everywhere on coverage. The Lions still aren't a good team, though. Um, Don't get it confused. Neither of these teams are good teams. The Lions couldn't move the ball on offense, and they better hope they don't win too many more of these games because it could end up costing them Bryce Young. Um, if you are going to win a couple games this season, though, it's got to be nice that this is one of them. Dan Campbell and these Lions beating up on the Packers in a game where they aren't resting their starters like last year. Um, they did beat the Packers, but it is different when it's week 18. You know, you got this in the meat of the regular season. You kind of putting the last nail in the coffin of the Packers. Like that's that's got to f- feel good for the Lions franchise. Then we have the Chargers at the Falcons. I picked the Falcons to cover and win. Ended up being 2017 Chargers, so push on the cover, but obviously Chargers came out on top. Um, this was an ugly win, though, for the Chargers, but a win's a win. This offense is just doing nothing for me right now, though. Um, they're down their top two wide receivers, all pro left tackle, so that explains a lot. And it's good that they were able to squeak out this win and stay in good playoff standings at 5-3, and three, but they really need to get their guys back healthy sooner rather than later. Obviously, Slater isn't coming back, but Allen and Williams, like, they just been out for so long, man. They need him. <laughs> and they need to figure out their defense, too, specifically run defense. This was another bad game by them. Like, yes, they only gave up 17 points, but 200 yards and two touchdowns? Damn. Um, if they go against a team with a good rushing attack and then a complimentary passing attack, they could be in serious trouble. Luckily for that, the Falcons aren't that, or at least weren't that this game. Mariota was a dud, uh, missing those all days. That could have resulted in a lot more points and yards, specifically to Kyle Pitts, I know that they're still very much in contention to win the NFC South, but like they aren't going to make serious noise in the playoffs. And at what point do the Falcons realize that we kind of need to see Ritter to make an evaluation on what to do for quarterback next year. All right, then we have the Colts at the Patriots. 26-3, pick the Patriots to cover and win. And (sighs) I feel bad for Colts fans. No one should be forced to watch and support this. And now it's going to get even worse with the firing of Frank Reich, especially bringing in Jeff Saturday, who has never coached. No, like He coached high school, I guess, but like they're just going to bring in some guy from the outside. I understand he's a Colts legend, TV analyst, high school coach, yada, yada, yada. Um, but most of these players aren't going to personally know him. I guess he was a consultant, so that's a bit of that too. But this just feels like such a blatant taking um move it's astounding like damn they're they're just out there trying to lose as for what we saw on sunday i wish i could unsee it i feel bad for ellinger uh, having to play behind this offensive line these running backs couldn't do anything either he doesn't really have much help at receiver either like this kid is just being thrown out there to be a scapegoat but this was a master class by belichick showing that he shuts down inexperienced quarterbacks once again He manufactured pressure all day, different stunts and blitz. Um, The secondary was flawless. Jalen Mills probably had his best game of his career. But it's really hard just to take any major points away from this performance against what can barely be called an offense. This Patriots offense, though, is in big trouble. They don't have any reliable receivers, and Jones isn't the type of guy to elevate an offense. If his first read wasn't there, he would just kind of turn straight to the check down. It's good for the Patriots to be beating up on young quarterbacks, but they really need better offense and to get some wins against top-tier teams until I see them as true contenders. Then we have the Raiders at the Jags. Uh, Jags winning 27-20. I picked the Raiders to cover and win. The fact that Josh McDaniel still has a job. The Raiders threw blew three 17-point leads over the previous 628 games. They've blown five in their whole what was that, 60 something, since 1960 till 2021, they've won five 17 point games. Josh McDaniels has blown a three this season. That's just unacceptable. The Adams was the only way the Raiders could move the ball and after the first half when the Jags shut him out, second half, they couldn't do anything. Adams had a few drops, Carr was off target and no one else on the Raiders stepped up like Hunter Renfro is supposed to be special. Josh Jacobs is supposed to be special. Where are the guys that this offense was promised to bring out? Like this Patriots offense is supposed to benefit the slot receiver the most. And yet Hunter Renfro is having his worst season. It's just ugly for them. And defensively, first off, they got to get Anthony Averett out there. Um, every time the Jags needed some yards, they would just target him and it worked. This pass rush is one of the most disappointing of the leagues too. Um, another week with no sacks, hardly any pressure and the Jags really took advantage of that. Etienne had another good game. He looks like a real RB1 with 100 plus yards, two touchdowns, and Lawrence was good too. He didn't really have any wow plays I felt, but he made a good amount of nice plays under pressure and used his legs to pick up yards when available. This was a really good win by the Jags to start building more of a winning culture around this young team. Then we have the Seahawks at the Cardinals, uh, 31 to 21. And I picked the Seahawks to cover and win, so yay me. Uh, although the Seahawks put up 31 points, I really felt like this game was one off the back of their defense, only giving up two touchdowns as there was that saving and call in pick six, a truly incredible play. But yeah, like, so that's only 14 points that Kyler Murray and this offense scored. And Mosu is playing great here for the Seahawks. And I think he's trying to push himself into being like a true low end number one. Like, he should be your main pass rusher and someone else should be the complimentary guy, you know? Um, Wolin, he had a great day. He did give up uh one of the touchdowns, but outside of that, he was phenomenal. Um, Ryan Neal, he's really coming along as that like, he's listed out as safety, but he plays, like, linebacker box safety a lot most of the time. Like, he's really coming along in that position, making some big plays. And Irvin is having a career revival here. Like, they're all just coming together and playing some of the best defensive ball in the league. And to do that with two rookie corners and arguably your best defensive player out is impressive. Like, I know people crap on Jamal Adams all the time, or yada, 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 but he is still a good safety, and like, just imagine if they had him, man. This defense would be amazing, Um, and they already might be amazing without him. But the Cardinals also just feel so dysfunctional. This line is terrible, especially Billy Price, who had multiple bad snaps and penalties. This whole unit feels undisciplined, though. So many pre-snap penalties, they couldn't get D-Hop going this game, and Kyler couldn't rely on anyone else to step up. He's running around out there, avoiding sacks, doing all he can, but ends up throwing it away or taking a sack because he can't find anyone. Robbie Anderson has just been atrocious since joining the Cardinals. Um, he was supposed to be kind of like that Band-Aid while Moore is up, not Moore, um, Brown is out, but he has not been that at all. A lot of people are really down on Kyler, but honestly, it doesn't look like a team with a bad quarterback. It looks like a team with a bad line, a lack of weapons, and a bad coach. And like with the weapons it's not even they don't have the personnel weapons i like nuke i like Ertz, i like more but it really feels like they're missing something without hollywood brown and um kingsbury he's not putting his receivers in positions to succeed and get open like he's not mike mcdaniel out here scheming up his receivers and making things easier on the quarterback Defensively, though, there wasn't a lot to take away from the Cardinals, but I definitely do want to shout out Zayvon Collins. He had that sick pick six that um, I think gave them the lead at the end of the half and has been making more and more plays all season. Really looking like that first round pick has been worth it. Having one of his best games of his career last Sunday with Simmons coming along too, um, who was up and down this game, but they can make a really versatile second level of that defense. Like both of them end up lining up at edge sometimes. Simmons, he lines up in the slot. Um, it hasn't, hasn't been crazy and in- effective. And I still feel like it wasn't worth the picks that they spent on these two players. But at least you're starting to see, like, okay, they, they're at least good players. And they could be a pretty fun duo going forward, especially if, um, I mean, I'm not expecting Kingsbury to be around much longer. And if a new defensive coordinator or defensive head coach comes in here and like completely rebuild this defense and has just like a ton of fun with it, that could be a pretty, pretty good defense. Then we have the Rams at the Bucks. Uh Rams or the Bucks winning 16 to 13. Um pick the Bucks to cover and win. They won. Uh the cover was a push. Once again, Vegas knows that's the third push of this week. Plus go to SDSU our basketball game we were 23 point favorites they hit a three-pointer um Fullerton hit a three-pointer right at the end to make the final score a 23 point difference like how does Vegas know man um anyways back to football the Bucks defensive stars played amazingly Vita Vea had one of his best games this season defensively with six pressures two sacks David was everywhere, both in coverage and on run defense. Um, Davis was locked down, and Trion Sharinka definitely had one of his best games as a pro rushing the passer. However, the Rams stars also stepped up. Ramsey was big um, all over these Bucks receivers, making play after play, especially in the second half, um, and until that final drive. Uh, Cup had the game's or the or the Rams' lone touchdown, and Donald was able to cause some chaos for Brady all night. Um, and he's not one of their big name stars, but I really thought Terrell Lewis played really well today too. Um, mostly rushing the passer, but he had a n- couple of nice plays in coverage. However, Kendrick blew it. I feel like every time he got targeted, he's giving up a big play on their corner two right now. And this has been going on for a few weeks now. They really need to find a way, I think, to get him off the field at this point. Like like how I was saying with Averett on the Raiders, like, if a team needs yards, they're just gonna to turn towards this guy. It doesn't matter if you have Jalen Ramsey out there on the other side, Troy Hill playing decently in slot. If you got a liability, you got a liability, and teams are gonna poke poke at it all night. But these offenses really do suck. Outside the big touchdowns to the cup or to cup, and then the Rams just forgetting how to play defense on the final drive. Neither of these offenses could really do anything. The Bucks had way too many drops. Like they only ended up with five, but. They just felt like that they were always coming on third down, big moments. Um, And they only had 51 yards on 20 carries. Then the Rams, they had 68 yards on 24 carries, not much better. Stafford, he had under 100 yards if you take out the 69-yarder to cup. Like, obviously, you can't do that. That play happened, but you got to do more than that one play to win. Um, And the Rams may be out of playoff contention now. At 3-5, third in the NFC West after that meltdown, um... Very, very shocking result for last year's Super Bowl champions. Right, then we have the Sunday night matchup between the Titans and the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs winning 20-17. to I picked the Chiefs to win, but the Titans to cover, so got that right. Um, I know this was a close game that the Titans barely lost in overtime, but this is still concerning for them in my opinion. Not a single Titans receiver caught the ball today. Like, how does that even happen? sure you got Willis in there, who's a rookie, and he definitely did miss on a few passes and had uh, definitely at least a few misreads. Um, It looked like he had someone open there for a split second on their final third down. Like, if you knew the offense better and you'd he just, hey, throw this ball to this location versus this coverage, he's going to come open on that. I, I want to say it was like a deep dig, um, but the Titans offense and the receivers definitely need to do more to help him out. Like, this is a rookie quarterback get him some easy slants, RPOs, smokes, screens, OTB routes, just like something fast in his face that lets him get the ball out to his playmakers, but they weren't doing that. Um, instead, the Titans seem to only want to throw the ball in muster situations, which puts all the pressure on Willis, and he's not a quarterback who can do that right now. He's clearly not comfortable back there, and with him handing it off on first, second down, and being asked to create on third down, that isn't how you win with a young quarterback you win by doing what I said. RPOs, slants, quick girls, just quick short routes that build his confidence. Not, hey, like, we don't trust you, we're only gonna run with Derrick Henry, and oh, hey, we didn't get the first down, can you bail us out? Like, no, that's your, no. Defensively, though, they were great. Sherman Holmes threw for 446 yards, but that was off 68 attempts, so 6.6 yards per attempt, that's not crazy. Then on the ground they only gave up 14 yards on 13 non-mahomes attempts but the homes definitely got his scrambling uh to a tune of 65 yards off six attempts but they were able to get consistent pressure on Mahomes, making him throw it away be at being accurate and look off receivers before they were coming open uh this front seven was amazing tonight with simmons Autry, and edwards jr really getting back there and causing havoc And David Long, he's looking more and more like a top linebacker each week. I really think they got something there. Like, he could, if he finished the season as a consensus top five linebacker, I would not be surprised. However, if you left the Chiefs hanging in there, this is what's going to happen. Mahomes was definitely, like, he's definitely had his better games, but he came up clutch when they needed him to, especially with his legs. Kelsey was phenomenal once again. Juju had one of his best games as a Chief. Um, And as a defense, they, didn't have the best game on the ground, but going against Derek Henry, like you all these sincerity, they did pretty well. Um, and they were phenomenal in the back end in coverage. Like most of the pressure the Chiefs were getting was because Willis couldn't find anyone. And was there like four or five seconds, and then the defensive line eventually just got in, like tons of coverage sacks, coverage pressure on this game. All right, and in the final game of the weekend, we have the Ravens at the Saints, Ravens winning 27 to 13. Um, I picked the Ravens to cover and win, so let's go. The Ravens defensive line had a dominant day on Monday night, led by Justin Houston, but really that whole front seven was causing the Saints problems all night. Causing pressures, batting balls, only allowing 48 rushing yards. The Roquan Smith edition is already paying dividends too. He had a couple nice plays and a limited time debut, and once he gets more integrated into this defense, like, whew, he could be nasty. Offensively, they weren't anything special. Um, they tried a couple deep shots, but couldn't connect on anything. It was a very spread out attack versus the Saints. Ten different players caught a pass, but only James Prochet and Kenyon Drake caught more than one, each having it two. Um, on the ground, though, they were dominant. The, Drake was able to get some space, and when he was, he was nasty with some of his jukes. He's not, really, he's not a between-the-tackle guy. I think we're figuring that out. He only finished with 3.8 yards per attempt, because if he doesn't have space, he's not going to create it but when he's in space, he's gonna make a guy miss, you know? And this is just one of those games where Lamar just refused to go down after the first defender, like, what are you gonna do? This is one of the best rushing quarterbacks we've ever seen, maybe probably the best. For the Saints, I think this is just who they're gonna be. Their offense is limited with Andy Dalton at the helm, Thomas and Landry out, and Olave as your only, like, real receiving threat, outside of Kamar, who the Ravens effectively neutralized. Um, They're gonna be able to beat up some bad teams like they did with the Raiders last week but they have a pretty average ceiling and that's gonna hold them out from competing with the top dogs. All right, so that brings my weekly picks to eight and five straight up, uh, six, four, and three odds that line for against the spread. Um, overall on the season, that puts me at 78, 57, and one, and then 62, 69, and five against the spread. Moving on to Thursday night football though, we have the Falcons going on to face the Panthers, the Falcons, three points favorites, and this one is coming off the loss. Uh, the Panthers so he started to build some momentum, led by PJ Walker, but man how quickly things change in the NFL. He'll get another chance this week against the Falcons, which he played phenomenally against two weeks ago, but I've got to imagine that the leash is a lot shorter and the confidence in this team got to be you know, pretty down after just getting walloped last week. And then the Falcons falconed away another game, like despite the Chargers attempt to charge it right away. Um, this they really struggled to pass the ball against the Chargers defense that hasn't really been particularly known To be good against stopping the pass, but they did have their best week um, passing two weeks ago with Mariota throwing three touchdowns against the Panthers last time It's just tough to know who these teams are going to be each week, like they're typically competitive particularly the Falcons, but they also both have the ability to disappoint However, the Falcons secondary is getting healthier, and although they still don't have AJ Terrell, but they got uh, Alfred back last week, and they just traded for Rashad Fenton, who I think is going to help boost the secondary. Plus, they got Patterson back, so I think we're going to see a really strong game from them running the ball, getting up early, and the Panthers on, can be able to pass their way back into um, back into it this time. So I'm going to pick the Falcons to cover and win. All right. So that's going to do it for today's episode. If you liked it um, and you're on YouTube, leave a like, comment below. How'd you do on your picks? And what do you think is going to happen this Thursday night? Um, subscribe if you're on YouTube, if you're on Apple, Spotify, wherever else you might be getting this, leave a five-star review, go tell your friends about it, help spread the word out. And yeah, I'll see you all next time.